Howdy, everyone, and welcome to the Seven Innings Podcast. I'm Amanda Scarborough, and today on the pod, we have Michelle Smith, Kayla Bro, Madison Shipman, Jenny Dalton Hill, and Danielle Lari. Today, we are going to chat about some juicy games from the pack that we saw this weekend, a couple of challenging weeks that the Sooners and the Cowgirls put themselves through. They have played some tough matchups over the past uh, couple of weeks or so. We're also going to talk about freshman pitchers that have already made their mark, Big Ten Conference games starting up, and we were we will also preview the throwback throwdown, say that 20 times in a row. That's happening this Saturday on SEC Network with our very own Kayla Bro and Madison Shipman getting a chance to call Tennessee versus Alabama together and also getting a chance to not have to wear business casual for the game, uh, but they get to wear their old uniform, which, you know, hopefully has been clean in the past decade. <clears throat> Kayla. Um, <laughs> All right, we'll lead off today talking about Pac-12 after dark. The best games of the weekend, in my opinion, may have happened over on the West Coast in the Pac-12. UCLA took two of three from Washington and LA, and we did indeed jinx Stanford, uh, who had a 21-game win streak entering the weekend. Um, and we kind of jinxed them, you know, about not giving up any runs in eight games straight because they gave up a run in the first game that they played Oregon. But they went to Eugene, took two of three from Oregon, and gave up five runs total on the weekend, which get this guys, those five runs was more than they had given up in four weeks combined in their games entering the season. Um, and then after taking the series in Tucson, Utah is at the top of the PAC 12 standings and has had its best start since joining the PAC 12, winning its first two conference series for the first time in program history, Utah overcame two six run deficits in the series to take it. Jenny, Utah uh, head coach Amy Hogue says it's women's college world series or bust for this group. Why should the rest of the pack be worried about Utah as we move forward in pack play? Well, it comes right down to the number one hit song of 1964. They're the leader of the pack right now. They are taking off with absolute flair off to the best start since joining the pack 12 ranked number 25 the first time being ranked since February, 2018, the lead, the league in stolen bases, which is crazy because they lead it by so many. They have 73 stolen bases. Washington is second with 47. So they have definitely really increased the run game um, that you mentioned it, that first pack weekend swept Oregon state at home, but they allowed a lot of runs. So does throw up some red flags, but they did out hit the Beavers 19 to 12. Last weekend, they went into Tucson to play my Wildcats. And uh, Michelle, I think the ball flies in Arizona, if that's what I remember. I mean, you have said that more than one time, but it comes down to there was not a bigger home run hit than the Alyssa Bonstrom bomb in game three. Now she's a Tucson native, so able to play in front of a hometown crowd and capped the largest comeback victory for the Utes since 2015. It was a 13-11 win with a home run in the top of the seventh. What's the hiccup for the Utes? It's their pitching. 19 free passes, including a walk-off walk in game two of that Arizona series. Utah can hit, but can they out-hit the pitching needs in the circle. The defense committed five errors. They do have some concerns for me, but this Arizona team that they just played can totally rake. They lead the league in 10 offensive categories. They also lead the league in strikeouts as hitters. So that's another problem. So do they swing big? They sure do, but it's sometimes a little too big. Um, high runs allowed by the Wildcat pitching staff versus Utah alone, they gave up 30 runs. So that's a definite struggle bus for them. The ERA of, the, of Arizona pitching is hard to out hit sometimes. They're coming up against Washington. So Danielle, where's Washington sitting in the pack right now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that UCLA UW series was one that I had circled that was going to be super fun to watch. And kind of going back and watching game one, I felt like UW looked like, hey, there was a chance that they could maybe win this thing against UCLA. I mean, they found a way. They had 14 hits over the three games. The one thing that I look at about Washington, it's not their ability to manufacture runs because they can score runs. They have good senior leadership. They obviously have Klingler, who's still batting 441 with seven home runs. I think the difference for her and the buffer is the fact that she has Maddie Husky behind her who leads the team with home runs just kind of helps and probably gives her a little bit of confidence knowing that if she gets on she has help 
But at the end of the day, what really is the kicker for me is Washington's ability to go into game three and not be able to close the door. They go in and they're pitching staff and the way that they do it, they're hot right out of the gate. Ruby looks great. Lindsay Lopez was on fire. And then game two, Framo set the tone for UCLA, gave up two hits. You know, Kelly Lynch puts four runs up right away. And I think that kind of deflated the attitude of what the rest of game two was going to be. But for me, it's been game three and Ruby Malin got the start and she gave up, you know, a couple um, five hits right out of the gate and they made the switch to Lindsay Lopez and then she wasn't able to hang. So at the end of the day for me and for Washington, it's going to be about how they can move forward with their pitching staff and get consistency because Ruby right out of the gate is fire, right? She's 73 up in the zone. These teams are like, dang, what's this? And then game three, they totally know how to make that adjustment. So how are they going to bridge the gap and find pitchers that can fill those holes? And then on the flip side for UCLA, like we kind of were going into this weekend, like where's Megan Framo at? Is she going to be healthy? Where is she? Where is she? And she's the national pitcher of the week. So she definitely threw well. I mean, she was made an appearance in every game, gave up two hits game two, two hits game three, um, and she was money. But on the flip side, how consistent can Brooke Yanez be in the rest of Pac-12 play? And when you transfer in your own conference, it's almost harder to pitch to those that already know you. So to me, it's going to be interesting to see how she's able to help. We know what we get with Maya Brady. And I think the surprise, but no surprise is Jordan Woolery. She's been so much fun to watch as a freshman, big, strong kid steps in the box and does damage. Um, So both these teams, Washington going to play Arizona and UCLA taking on Oregon are going to get tested yet again. And I do need to make sure we give a big apology to Nigeria Kennedy at Stanford. We Talked her up big time last week and the freshman gives up her first run of the season. So Kennedy got the start in game two, gave up the run off of a uh, alley bunker single. So the freshman scoreless streak has ended. Well, JDH, I don't think she held it against us um, as we roll into the number two spot because uh, she was kind enough to talk to Jessica Mendoza. So here's a uh, shout out to Jessica Mendoza and Nyjah Kennedy. I'm here with Nyjah Kennedy, freshman of Stanford softball. Nyjah, I know it's early on, but you guys are kicking off the season as far as the Pac-12 this weekend. How are you feeling? Oh, excited. Um, all of preseason was leading up to this, and I'm, I'm excited for Pac-, Pac play to start. Okay, last weekend you got to go home to Kansas. Uh, what was that like? Oh, it was amazing. Um, I got, got to see my parents, all of my past coaches, past teammates. Um, I give lessons in Kansas, so I saw all of them. Um, and it was just amazing just to see, like, all the little girls who were following Stanford softball right now. Okay, so you were talking to me earlier about your rise ball <laughs> and it being your best pitch, but you've been working on something right now that's been an adjustment that's been even making that rise ball even better. What is it? Yes, so um, coming in as a freshman, I mostly um, had a high rise ball, and that's been effective um, in high school, but college, college is another step and another level. So coming in, I worked a lot with Coach Nyberg and um, worked on getting a low rise ball, and it took, it took some time, but I eventually... Eventually, it, it kind of clicked, and I got it. And I, I like to think it's been, it's been pretty effective at the next level. It's been really effective. Your numbers have been insane so far this season. What's your mentality been like, especially with the success? Yes, um, definitely, definitely throw, the, throw through the zone. I feel like most all great pitchers um, like to think, okay, get, that, get the first strike. And I definitely, I definitely try, try to follow that. But... I know if I do, if I do give up a hit or two, like I know my defense has my back. So definitely, definitely, definitely playing with eight girls behind me. It's, it's been incredible. So. Nigel, when you think about your freshman year and you were coming in and you talked earlier about this, how it's exceeded expectations <laughs> of what finally playing Division I softball has been like, especially at Stanford. How has it exceeded those expectations? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I don't know. I think it's my teammates, honestly, like getting to play with um, 22 amazing, amazing girls. Like it's it's incredible. Um, I feel we all we all make each other better. Every practice, it feels like a game just because in 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 practice, like if you if we leave a ball down the middle, like it's going out the fence. And that's I feel like that's just prepared me so much like it. The the closest the closest you can get to games in the fall is just practicing and being able to practice against 
so many girls who are good college haters, good college catchers. Like, it's incredible. And all the preseason has been amazing. And I know we talked about this a little bit, but now we finally start Pac-12 season. Um, it starts tonight against Oregon. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's definitely going to be hard. Um, Oregon's an amazing team, but this is, this is where we're really battle-tested. And all of the preparation we've done, I know it's going to pay off. So I'm excited to get going. Nyjah, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that interview, Jess. And that brings us, I mean, these segues are just perfect because it brings us right into number three, the trend of these freshman pitchers who are stepping up all over the country. Michelle, let's get right to it. What freshman pitchers have caught your eye uh, in the circle so far? Um, well, you know, this is interesting because when you think about what makes a freshman pitcher complete, you know, for me, it's their composure, their ability to be able to step into big moments and um, and be calm, not you know get overexcited. They have to have a short memory. They have to trust their pitches, their catcher, their team. Um, and some of the some of the athletes, and there's a lot of them. When I was researching them, we've already mentioned quite a few of them. But you look at um, UCLA's uh, Taylor Tinsley. I think she has done a good job. You know, she's not gotten the opportunity to maybe finish as many of her appearances as she would like or work through tough situations. But she's done a really good job. Oklahoma State. University has Kyra Acock. She is seven and zero on the year. She's done a really good job. A whip below one. Um, LSU's got two good ones: Sydney Berzon and uh, Ali Johnson. I think that they're going to develop together and be, and be very good. And I'm not going to rattle off every single one that I have researched because I know that uh, there's a couple of more of you guys that might want to jump in um, with some of them. So um, who else? Who else? Some freshman pitchers they want to chat about. I have one, but I don't have all the hardcore stats. Um, I actually like the lefty from Stetson, Hannah Marion. I mean, she ended up beating Georgia in the midweek game. Um, and one thing that I talked to Tony Baldwin about was just like her change was so good. And they really struggled with that. But she's 72 innings pitch on the season, nine earned runs with that 0.88 ERA. So she's been pretty fire for Stetson. I think another one we need to mention is Ruby Malin at Washington. She's got a 1.3 ERA and has pitched 81 innings for them. So she's carried a big load, has done a really good job for them. Notre Dame has Michaela Castor with a 0.88 ERA. So she's tied with Stetson, uh, Hannah Marion in ERA. She's got 39 and a two thirds innings on the year. And how do we not talk about Carlin Pickens at Tennessee? I mean, a 0.47 ERA and 44 and two thirds innings. I don't know about you, Maddie, but that's definitely one that we all need to be watching. Yeah, kind of going off of what Michelle said, when you watch freshmen in the circle, I feel like we're the ones that are successful, you see them very poised, very confident in what they're able to throw. And I love the way that Carlin Pickens can throw heat, but with movement all throughout the strike zone. And it really stuck out to me when she got that start going up against Clemson, a top ranked opponent. She looked very calm, had command of every single one of her pitches. Uh, so she definitely impressed me and has continued to impress the rest of the country with the way that she's been able to throw. But a couple other freshmen that I'm keeping my eye on too. McKenna Reed, the lefty for Florida State. I think she's got a great career ahead of her. Again, throwing good velocity. And I like the way she rides it up and in on the righty's hands. Can be really tough to hit those. And I got the opportunity to call Virginia this past weekend. Eden Bigham is another one that you guys need to watch too. I really love the way that she just mixes speeds, mixes locations, and keeps the ball on the outer part of the strike zone. So you can't ever really get solid contact against her. Um, but she's definitely another one that I'm keeping my eye on looking forward. Yeah, excellent, um, Maddie. And uh, Amanda, I'm going to jump in. I've got a, a couple other ones to, to just kind of mention. Um, Duke, they have uh, Sophie gardner McCannon. She has been really good. 28 innings pitch. She's 2-0. and She's got a 1.5 ERA. Um, how about Rayleigh, uh, Rayleigh Crandall from Baylor? I think that she's another one that is you're going to have to watch. I mean, they have a strong pitching staff. I mean, they're starting Big 12 play, but she's got 44 innings pitch, an imposing batting average against just a tad bit over 200. 46 strikeouts to just 25 walks. Um, and I think that's the big thing when I start researching a lot of these young pitchers is the ones that really can control the base on balls, their whips are below one. It, it, it makes their job so much easier, so much easier. 
Yeah. I mean, gosh, there really are so many freshman pitchers, right? Like it's really crazy to think about. And I was thinking like, what's the trend that I'm seeing when I watch these pitchers pitch, when I think of Nigeri Kennedy, Cassie Kurd from Duke is another one. And, and Maddie, you mentioned McKenna Reed. I like her a lot too. And Carlin Pickens, they have really good rise balls. And I'm not going to say this is like every single pitcher that we named just has a really good rise ball, but I feel like good spin and good rise balls with some good velocity is a really common theme with a lot of these freshmen, no matter if they are right-handed or left-handed, but the best part about pitching as a freshman is that nobody has tape on you. Nobody has seen you before. So you get to go out and pitch free. And if you can shake the freshman nerves and go out and throw your game, you're going to have a lot of success. But one thing I, I do think, and I'm interested to hear about um, what you guys think about this entering conference play is a little bit different because up to this point, Teams have had to prepare for, you know, 10 arms on a weekend for a tournament, but now they're just going to be narrowing in on one team on two or three pitchers, and they're going to have more tape on these freshmen. So I think the preparation for your opponent is going to be different because now they're preparing for you. Now the secret is out. So I'm curious, how do you guys think that these freshmen are going to tackle and are, are going to tackle their, their duties in conference play? I think a lot of it comes down to exactly what Michelle was talking about early on the composure to be hit, but then respond without being emotional. If you in the circle, give up a hit, you cannot let that then compound into the next bat. You cannot let it leak into the rest of the game. It has to be something where you have a short-term memory to be able to go into it, but more than anything as a hitter, step in and be aggressive against a young pitcher because that's the easiest way to chase them out of the game. Maddie, as a hitter, how else do you think they need to do it? Well, and so I always, when you've got a freshman in the circle, I, I want to know what their best pitch is, and that's what I'm going to go in there and swing at. But Amanda, to your point with the rise balls, I think it's huge for these pitchers to have a set up pitch to get those swings and misses on the rise balls. Not just one that you're throwing down in the dirt, but something that gives these opponents another pitch that they have to worry about. Something else that you can throw for a strike. If you're a rise ball pitcher, maybe it's a drop ball low in the zone. Maybe it's a changeup. Just something else to really try to throw these opponents off their game. And a lot of the freshmen that we have mentioned have multiple pitches that they can throw for strikes in any count. Yeah, I love that, Maddie. It's a speed, spin, and spots, right? These freshmen, they're talented, and um, it's uh, it's been fun to watch them so far. And I think that uh, as they go into conference play, it's uh, it's going to be to fun to, to follow them and watch it, how everything else goes. All right, let's go ahead and round uh, down into the number four spot. Sooners in the pokes. Um, so Oklahoma. They're just still doing Oklahoma things. Um, they they have played a very challenging schedule the last week. Uh, they beat Florida State five to four. I thought that was great. They were challenged at home. At one point, Florida State actually had the lead four to three, and then the Sooners responded right away in the bottom of the inning, ended up winning that game five to four. At the Omni Hall of Fame Classic, Oklahoma beat Weber State twice. They beat Northwestern two to one. And they beat Auburn twice, uh, 14 to nothing, ouch, and then seven to one. Uh, they have Iowa State coming up as Big 12 play starts. But again, this is a uh, Oklahoma team that is just hitting the ball well. They have six Sooners hitting over 400. Uh, Erickson, Coleman, Lee, Jennings, Brito, and Boone, all well over 400. And then, of course, we know they've got a very good pitching staff. So another complete team the Sooners have put together. Uh, as I said, Iowa State this weekend. And then will be very exciting, their series against Texas. So looking forward to that one. That will be uh, first game in Oklahoma City. And then the second two games of that series will be uh, at home in Norman for them. Uh, Oklahoma State, we'll roll on down to there. Oklahoma State has been doing a good job, ranked number two right behind Oklahoma. They're playing North Texas tonight. North Texas is 19 and nine. So we'll see how uh, they fare in that midweek uh, matchup, but they have Baylor at home. And I'm, I'm thinking Baylor is going to challenge them. I'm impressed with this Baylor team. They're 22 and five. Um, they've obviously been the only team that's beat Oklahoma this year. They've got uh, two key losses to Arkansas and Texas A&M. Uh, the other, you know, so they're five losses. Uh, they're just competitive. They hit 332 as a team. Um, and they have uh, Doriana Orm, who just has been outstanding in the circle. But Oklahoma State has done a really good job of outscoring opponents. Listen to this. In the first inning, they outscore opponents 49 to 3. They've uh, not committed any errors in 19 of their 27 games. So they've got a good defense behind a very good pitching staff. They're bopping the ball around. And of course, they have Rachel Becker. And, um, you know, she's been great. So, you know, this is a very, very talented Oklahoma State team. Uh, Maddie, what else do you see from both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? 
Yeah, you know, you mentioned the six players for Oklahoma that are batting, what, over 400? Well, they also have six players with 20 or more RBIs. And what that's telling me is that people are getting on pace. They're getting the timely hit. And you mentioned the pitching staff being able to throw so many different arms at, a, at an opponent, especially when your offense is able to put up as many runs as they are. I think that's why they've been so dominant throughout this season. Um, when you talk about Oklahoma State and you talk about them scoring early, I think Rachel Becker is a big part of that. With her with her on-base percentage, what, it, almost 700 or whatever the clip is she's getting on base at, she sets the tone for the rest of the offense, and she's a player that sees a lot of pitches in her at-bats. She is fighting off, she is fouling off pitches, and you know that that has to give the rest of their offense a ton of confidence moving forward. But I really like this Baylor team too. And you mentioned Dariana Orm in the circle for them. They also have Aaliyah Benford in the circle, but offensively, Shaylin Govan is a name that we have talked about a lot this year. She already has seven home runs, 34 RBI, but I look at who's batting behind her because you need somebody to be able to step up so that Shaylin can get those pitches. And it's been Sydney Coyasos, and she is hitting 409. She's got nine hits in the last four games. I think she's somebody that's going to need to step up this weekend if they want to try to take some wins away from Oklahoma State. But outside of those four teams that we just talked about, I'm looking forward to that Texas-Texas Tech matchup this weekend too. Uh, Amanda, I know you got a good long look at Texas last weekend in their extra inning game against Alabama, uh, but they've really impressed me all the way around the field with the pitchers that they have in the circle, the young players they have in their offense, especially right there up the middle. I think it's going to be a good battle going up against uh, Texas Tech this weekend. And Texas team that has thrown, what, eight different pitchers? this year. So it could be really tough for an opponent to have to prepare for that pitching staff. Yep. Uh, so another thing, Maddie, too, as we mentioned, it is Oklahoma, Iowa State, Baylor, OSU. You mentioned Texas, Texas Tech. Kansas is actually um, off of play this week, so they will resume um, next week in the Big 12. So that's a that's the roundup for the uh, the Big 12. What else you got, Amanda? Okay, so from the Big 12 starting conference play to the Big 10, also starting conference play as we head to the five spot. Jenny, I mean, hopefully this weekend enough snow has melted off the fields up north in Big 10 country because conference play is starting up, whether they like it or not. I mean, it was so cold in Tuscaloosa. I think it was cold all across the country. So we'll see how the temps go. But Northwestern uh, defending champs, they went 19 and four last year during the Big 10 season. But so far this season, they're just hitting 247. I think showing some vulnerability early on this season. Remember, they made it to the Women's College World Series, too, but already they have eight losses. And also, I find this interesting. Michigan has won at least a share of the Big Ten championship in 12 of the last 14 seasons, but they already have 11 losses. Uh, Jenny, do you feel like this opens the door for some other teams in the Big Ten to sneak in and, and try to win a Big Ten championship? It definitely does. The Big Ten is probably more open than it has been in the last little while. When you talk about Northwestern, you did mention those eight losses, but let me remind the audience that they have the number one strength of schedule in the country. So they have faced a lot of great talent and have put themselves out there to be tested early, to be able to make a deep run in ACC play. And then hopefully into the postseason. they're coming off a weekend where they played Oklahoma. So tough. It was a two to one loss. They went toe to toe with Goliath. Both teams only had three hits. Both teams had one home run apiece. So these two teams played each other very, very well. Cami Henry entered in the sixth, gave up only one hit, but allowed another home run for Northwestern. That was the difference in the game. But I need to draw your attention to the player for Northwestern that you need to watch this year. Hannah Cady went two for three with the RBI and two of the three hits for Northwestern against Oklahoma. They open play this weekend against Minnesota. You mentioned Michigan. I have a big question mark for Michigan, Amanda. Their pitching staff is really having a hard time. Their hitters are not able to out hit the runs that they're giving up. It's def you're definitely seeing how the loss of Alex Straco and Megan Bobian in the circle has affected them. Not a lot of long balls. They only have eight home runs on the season. So it's going to be a long year for for Michigan, especially now knowing that Bonnie Thal's taking the reins and Hutch is not the captain of that ship. Bonnie Thal, very good, but they had a lot of change that they're going to have to get over. Um, the team that I also look at that kind of grabbed everybody's attention early on, Maryland, right? They came in with those big wins over Oregon and Oklahoma State early. 
They lead the Big Ten in fielding percentage. And so they're stepping up for defense. Pitching-wise, they've got Courtney White with good velo, especially on that drop ball, up, down, mix of speed. And then Trini, Trinity Schlotterback, um, nasty mix of speeds. Freshman, another freshman pitcher. Kara, I'm going to say your name wrong, and I'm so sorry. Is it Butcher? I don't know. And I'm so sorry. I'm sure we'll get lots of Twitter um, action on that one, but a filthy changeup, frustrating pitch and is trusted in big games. That changeup will disrupt a really good hitting team. They have Indiana on their opening weekend. Amanda, who else is grabbing your attention? Yeah, I think it really does beg the question. If Maryland enters the big 10 conference season as the favorites at this point, only five losses on the year. Uh, and they also don't play Northwestern or Michigan in the regular season in these conference games. I think you have to talk about Wisconsin. Their team pitching staff is really strong, had a chance to watch them in Austin. They have a legit three, four deep on their pitching staff, just a 1.83 team RA team ERA. They've never won a big 10 championship. So I, I think that when you look at the big 10, if Northwestern and, and Michigan that you can consider a little bit down, then I look at the schedule and the matchups because the big 10 doesn't play everybody in conference play, which is super interesting. A lot of conferences are like that. And so I actually asked Kate Drohan, the head coach of Northwestern, how do you guys come up with your big 10 conference schedule? And it's very interesting. So a third of the schedule is based on like or similar RPI teams from the year before. A third is based on geographic matchups and rivals. And then a third is a random rotation trying to get every student to play, go to every Big Ten campus over their four-year career. So it's really interesting with how I, I told her that sounds like a calculus equation. Like that sounds really hard, but it, it does make you look at the schedule that each team plays for the regular season and says, oh, well, maybe they have a better shot of winning it, they could get more wins. So just something to consider. I find it super interesting, but big 10 conference play uh, gets going this weekend. And can a team like Maryland or Wisconsin win their first big 10 championship? I think that's a, a big question, Michelle. Wow. I, you know, and I love numbers, but that, that formula sounds like a headache to me, especially, uh, especially if you have to <laughs> take into consideration the transfer portal. I mean, Lord, that's how do you, how do you even calculate that? Okay. Um, that was great, ladies. Thank you so much. So that's going to slide us down into the, uh, the six hole. And we're going to talk about the ACC roundup. Clemson is 29 and one. I feel like they've just been kind of hovering out there and they, you know, we know they're good, but we haven't seen them a whole lot. Um, I, I, I just think it's going to be fun as, as conference play really starts to heat up. They're six and zero uh, in the ACC. They're on a 27 game home win streak, 15 win streak overall. Kegel is doing Kegel things. She's over 630 career strikeouts. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Florida State and Duke, they both swept their series last weekend. Um, Florida State over Duke, Duke over North Carolina. Um, so they'll be facing each other at Duke this weekend. And then Virginia Tech as well. They are 22 and five. They're eight and one in the ACC. And uh, they actually are off this weekend. They're facing Charlotte. Um, so they're off the ACC conference games, but they are facing Charlotte this weekend. So um, Danielle and Jenny, uh, what are you guys looking at in the ACC? Well, you, you guys went right back to ACC Roundup. So, of course, we have to go right back to Woody, right? So, Toy Story theme again. But if this was Woody's Roundup, it would be sponsored because Woody's Roundup is sponsored by Cowboy Crunchies, a sugar-frosted cereal dipped in chocolate. That's my kind of good morning starter. So, if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast, send us a DM. I'm sure Michelle would love to sing the jingle and Maddie and Kayla's kids will make sure and wear the character Band-Aids, too. But... When it comes to Clemson, I really think this is their year to shine. A healthy Valerie Cagle, who has had a ton of arm issues during her time on campus for Clemson. She not only is leading them in the circle, but also at the plate. She leads the team in batting average, home runs, slugging percentage, and has the most inning pitched, bringing in a 0.49 ERA. So not only is she healthy, pain-free, but you're now seeing a Valerie Cagle who's happy and, and able to sleep. That recovery is so important for athletes. And not, it's not just about nutrition and strength. Being able to sleep and be well-rested is so important to be able to step in and play your best. She's not been able to sleep because of the pain. So this year, you're seeing that smile go from ear to ear. She's having a lot more success. And she says everything's fun again. 
that's a dangerous spot for your best player to be in for the other teams, because when you're having fun, the game slows down. So mature, happy, excited, and executing. Great news for Clemson. They played Florida State. They play Florida State in the middle of April and then Virginia Tech in the last series of the year. Those will be the next two times I think they will be truly tested. Um, and then, Danielle, is there anybody else that you're keeping your eye on in the ACC? There's so many teams to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I just got the chance to call Florida State Syracuse. And, you know, Florida State kind of big dogged them. They, they crushed them in three games. Um, and a couple of players that really stood out to me throughout the weekend, and one that's been consistent for them, the transfer, Katie Dak, and something that kind of registered with me with Coach Alameda just saying, like, this is a, a young lady that didn't get a chance to do the fall workouts, but her verbiage was there by knowing Travis Snyder. So she set foot on campus and she kind of really came right in and was part of the team. And I think just being able to see her hit a three run bomb off Sirocco, like just kind of was a big deal for her to come in and be like, Hey, I'm here, let's go. Um, so she's been really consistent with them. And it was fun to see, you know, Harding, like Callie Harding is finally this calm, cool and collected leader, but she's showing up offensively, putting up some great numbers. Um, Coach Alameda talked really highly of her and Hallie Waycaser. I mean, we're talking about a young lady that batted well below 200 or freshman year and now leads this team across the board on average is I think she's 413 on the year. So she's been a lot of fun. I think when you think in the circle, you think does Santa Cock have help? And she does. She has Allison royalty. Who's been able to step up and take a little bit of innings off of Santa Cock's plate. She's selfless. Alameda said she wants other pitchers to get the experience because she knows next season she's leaving. So if these pitchers don't get the ball in their hands in situations that mean something, it's going to be tough for her to leave and those pitchers be able to feel those types of pressure filled moments if they haven't been in it and dip their toes themselves. Them facing off against Duke, I was statistically, you know, battling some numbers and both these teams are pretty even across the board. Like looking at offensive numbers, Duke's 326, Florida State's 314, pitching ERAs, Duke is 1.98. FSU is 1.99. I mean, home runs, Duke's 33, Florida State's 29. So it's going to be really fun to see, honestly, these two teams. I think it's going to come down to the, to the bullpens. Who's going to be able to come in and step up offensively? You know that you are getting on a goal, leads the team in home runs. But I think the big thing for me is like Deja Davis. She's the first All-American ever for Duke softball. She's a player that you need to be able to go into a series like this and just say, hey, let's go jump on my back. I'm going to lead this team. I have that experience. So for me, it's going to be fun to watch, just see how the pitchers, to see a Jayla Wright, how she's going to step up. You know you're going to get a Jayla Wright, Catherine Sandercock matchup of two aces. Um, so I love to see it. And I know both these teams have been really looking forward to it. Florida State has not been able to play at Duke yet. So it's going to be a big opportunity for both of them. But I think more importantly for Florida State to go and, get a little taste of what it's like to play Duke on the road. And I actually talked with um, the head coach for Duke this morning. We, I am covering them on their first game this weekend against Florida State, and they're excited to have Florida State come to their house and play in front of their crowd because everybody knows it's so much easier to play in friendly territory, and they're excited to have their fans on their back, not having to play down there at Florida State where that that can get a little bit raucous and it's hard to pitch and keep your composure in that situation. So they're excited to have them on campus. Keep your eye on Janai Kerr for, um, for why am I drawing like Florida state? Because when it comes to batting averages, power, she's stepped it up. She's played injured for a lot of her career and she's now stepping in, has dealt with a ton of diverse, ton of adversity. And as she steps in now, She's dealt with it, she's done with it, and she's really showing out, really impressed with her. And you mentioned it, Danielle, for Duke, that Deanna Jennings and Deja Davis at the top of the lineup for them, man, they set the tone. They're definitely a tough one-two punch at the top for Duke. Jenny, is your game on Friday night for Duke FSU? Yep, I've got that Friday not Friday night matchup. Okay, good deal. So look forward to that. And then we have a really big weekend coming up too, as we move to number seven, throwback, throwdown, and more. Uh, because Michelle, we're going to talk a little bit about the U the USC, the SEC. You, you and I just got back from Tuscaloosa, where we had an epic ten inning matchup between Alabama and Arkansas, Fouts versus Dells. Um, Arkansas ended up winning the series after Ryland Hedgecock hit a solo home run in the top of the tenth off Montana Fouts, but 
After losing the series, Alabama now has to travel to Tennessee, who is off to their best start in SEC play in program history. And so with that series, we have something really special going on because uh, what we're calling Throwback Throwdown, and it's at 5 Eastern on SEC Network. Eric Freed will be the play-by-play, but honestly, he's going to get overshadowed with Madison and Kayla getting to call this game with him because it's like we keep talking about Madison and Kayla and like, wait, who is there a play-by-play? Well, we, I, we, I guess we'll let him into the booth. I don't know. Madison, you guys can decide that, but their alma maters are facing off against each other. And Kayla, are you guys going to be able to keep these, this, uh, game civil? Like what can we expect? Uh, all right, man, Amanda, me and Maddie are getting ready for the rumble. That's going to happen this weekend at the throwback throwdown. Uh, really excited to get out to Knoxville and cover the game, but also to kind of put ourselves back in the Jersey. Like we're actually going to physically wear our jerseys. We're going to, we're going to put ourselves back in what it used to be like playing against each other. I'm really excited. Um, Maddie and I went after it. We were both uh, very highly competitive, highly competitive with each other, getting to play uh, shortstop. Maddie played shortstop. I was the leadoff hitter for Alabama. And that dynamic back and forth between a defender and a leadoff hitter was so good. And uh, both of our teams, I think, throughout the three years that we played against each other were just honestly, it was so tough. Maddie, like I remember it facing off against the Renfro sisters, trying to figure out a way to like get a hit off of you, get a hit off of them. The dynamic between the amazing hitters like Raven Siobhan at the top of the lineup, Lauren Gibson, like it was so good to play Tennessee in the best way. So competitive. Every single game felt like it was down to the wire. And I know Kayla, you and I have had this weekend circled on our schedules for what, like two years now. We've been so looking forward to this weekend so that one, we can talk about the two great teams that are on the field, but also kind of have a little bit of those throwback memories, kind of get back into what you're saying, what it was like to actually be on the field and play against each other. And I know it's so funny because we never talked to each other when we played against each other. We did not know each other at all other than a scouting report and whatever I had to do to try to get you out. So it's so funny to look ahead a decade later and just see how close we are in the softball world and talking to each other. But I know when I look at Tennessee's team going into this weekend, the key for them, the pitching staff has been unreal, just continues to get better and better every single weekend. The fact that they can throw a different pitcher every single game and can throw a complete game is huge for them. But Kayla, I'm sure you have some keys for Bama going into the weekend too. Well, I don't know who's doing all this scheduling because Tennessee in back-to-back weekends is getting a team that played on Monday night. So with the midweek that Bama's going to play and LSU had the same thing happen last week, like you're talking about one day to prepare for Tennessee's pitching staff. That is a tall task right there. Uh, So my key for the game is going to be trust. The Alabama offense needs to trust each other. So if you're Kenley Cahalan and you get in the box and you see pitch A from Ashley Rogers, pitch B, pitch C, and you go back to the dugout and you tell your team what you saw, they have to trust you. They have to trust themselves and trust them t- their teammates. Because as you know, Maddie, if they get to pitch two or three or they get behind on hitters or on pitchers like Ashley Rogers, like Carlin Pickens, it's too late. They've already got you. You're done. And that was a problem with the Arkansas pitching staff for Alabama. They got behind. They had tentative at-bats. That cannot happen against Tennessee. So that's my key. Trust in the game plan and trust in yourselves and your teammates uh, if you want a chance to put some good swings on those pitchers because they are dang good. They are really good. And I know, of course, we're going to be watching the game on the field, but I am looking forward to throwing some shots back and forth at you. I can't throw you out anymore, but Kayla, you should know that we stay ready in this household at all times. We are ready. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, I've said it, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Allie stole my favorite shipment. Allie is just moving up in the ranks. I'm just, I'm just curious how many times you're going to use that one this weekend. I got I to gotta, I gotta figure out a way to use some other ones. Like, you know, that championship, that national championship is just calling out to me. It's oh, always there. there. It's just kind of, it's, you know, those, those memories of holding the trophy, at the Women's College World Series, they're, they're going to get me through this weekend. Right. We, we'll have some good ones for you guys. It, it, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Make sure you tune in uh, to this Bama Tennessee series, uh, especially on Saturday, throwback, throwdown. But there's a lot of other things happening around the SEC. Guys, what else do you have for us? 
Oh my God. I loved it. Uh, that was awesome. I love that Kyle makes an appearance. Um, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Maddie, that was uh, off the charts, off the charts um, or off the Rocky top. I should say maybe that. <laughs> Rocky top is blaring through our house uh, several times throughout the day. So uh, yeah, that's not unusual to have that happen randomly in the day. Do you whoop to it too? Like, does it do you, it, do you, I, we, oh yeah, we do the whole thing. And my kids even, I, you guys are going to laugh at this before bed. My kids ask to play Rocky top before they go to bed. So that's our nighttime routine is they dance and sing to Rocky top. Yeah. <laughs> Great way to calm down before bed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we might need a video of that at some point, Maddie. So maybe, maybe, maybe I can make that happen, Michelle. Maybe. <laughs> I would love it. We would love it. So, um, so speaking of, of Rocky Top in Tennessee, boy, what about that pitching staff, Amanda? They have a zero, a zero point six two ERA team ERA. I mean, that's number one in the country by a hair. Um, a batting average of three thirty seven. They have fifty five stolen bases on the year, thirty four home runs. But Kiki Malloy's numbers again off the chart. She's hitting over four fifty. 13 home runs. She's 19 for 19 on stolen bases. She's just fun to watch. And I've said this before. She's my pick for uh, hopefully one of the finalists for um, USA softball player of the year. I think very deserving and um, it'd be great to, to, to see how far she can go in that. Um, you know, I think that Tennessee is obviously the team to beat, but you know, Kentucky's also having a very good year. They're off to three and zero in the SEC. Um, Mississippi State, how about them? They're three and zero. They're obviously going to be challenged. Uh, UGA is at coming in at five and one. I just, you know, think the SEC is stacked yet again. I, I do think that, um, you know, I, a lot of people are looking at Alabama, Arkansas. I think there's, I, I think every weekend is is going to be a battle. I I don't think there's a lot of brooms going to be uh, flying around no, sweeps. In other words, I think that it's going to be really, really hard to go in and uh, except for maybe Tennessee uh, to go in and, and win every series in a sweep. I just think there's going to be a lot of battles uh, back and forth. What else are you looking at, Amanda? Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about Kentucky, Michelle. I think that Kentucky wants to have a little say with the SEC championship with how they've put things together this year. And they're going to be um, home at home at a and They were out of conference last weekend, swept Missouri in the first week and didn't give up a run. But um, I think that this is a big series for both AM and both and Kentucky. I think with the season that Aaron Koffel is having at the plate, the leadership of Kayla Kowalik back behind the plate and the year that Stephanie Schoonover is having in the circle. Like I, I think that this is legit a year where Kentucky truly feels that they have one of their best shots at winning an SEC championship that they've had in a while. Schoonover is the real deal. Quietly one of the best pitchers in the SEC. And now AM is going to need a rebound because they got swept at home against Georgia. What's a very good Georgia team. But to me, the key for AM is Emily Kennedy, which Emily Kennedy is going to show up since SEC play has started. She's given up nine earned runs in two and two thirds innings. She's not been hardly able to make it out of an inning. So in my mind, she's the biggest key to their, their success. And and being able to be a top 25 team, being able to be a top 20 team when she's on, they are, when she's not, it's a question mark. Um, I'll be at Florida at Arkansas uh, on Saturday at nine Eastern on ESPN two. I feel like this one could be pretty evenly matched. Just, we have one game on our main air, um, out of the series, but last weekend, both teams figured out to way ways to win their series when it easily could have gone the other way for them. Both teams showed a lot of fight, but one thing in particular I'm going to watch is how a young Arkansas infield with a freshman at shortstop freshman back behind the plate can handle the speed of Florida with Kendra Falby and Skylar Wallace. Um, wanted to get in here to you guys. We have a monster day of softball on Saturday on our network. So we have eight matchups for you that you're going to be able to tune into. So on sec network and ACC network, there are three games on each of those networks. So just wanted to make sure that you know about them so you can tune in on SEC network, Mississippi State versus Georgia at 12 Eastern, Alabama, Tennessee, that's with Maddie and Kayla at five Eastern, LSU Ole Miss at six Eastern. And then on ACC network, you literally have a triple header. You can turn on ACC network and get tuned into the conference the entire day. Virginia Pittsburgh at two Eastern, North Carolina State versus uh, Louisville at four Eastern, and then Clemson, Georgia Tech at six Eastern. Michelle, any final thoughts about the sec or the throwback throwdown what do you what are you thinking 
Yeah, I can't wait to see the throwback throwdown. I want a booth camera on all times. I think that, <laughs> yeah. that should be like, you know, <laughs> when you have a Zoom, you have that little at the top of your phone. I would love to see that on the TV screen because I want to see how many times Maddie gives the elbow to Kayla and Kayla gives the elbow back to Maddie. <laughs> I just I just think that that's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, it's going to be a great game as well, though. So uh, super, super excited about the throwback throwdown. We're so competitive, but I know that if I went out there and tried to run against Kayla, I would for sure pull a hamstring. It would be so bad. Uh, so yeah, but it's going to be so much fun. Really looking forward to to calling that game with Kayla and of course, Eric Freed as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess he's, we're going to let him in, but um, <laughs> Michelle, just final thoughts on, on Alabama, Tennessee, two just coaches that have been there forever, so, so, like just such programs that have so much history in the SEC, coaches that have thousands of wins with Karen weekly at Tennessee and Patrick Murphy at Alabama. So, um, it's going to be a really, really cool game to, to go down memory lane. And Meg told us that there's going to be some prizes. So tune in for some surprises. So tune in for that one. Looking forward to it. All right. So that's our sec, uh, roundup. And, um, we're going to go ahead and roll down now into the number eight spot. And we're going to remember dot Wilkinson who passed away last week. Um, and if you don't know dot, you need to Google her, get out on the, the Google machine and, and look her up. Um, she passed, she was over hundred years old, 101 to be exact. Um, she was a 19 time all American an ASA hall of famer, an Arizona hall of famer and a catcher for over 30 years, a catcher for 30 years. Uh, she's, um, you know, legendary when you look at her within the game of softball, but also ladies, when she retired, she went on to become a champion bowler as well. So, you know, you're talking just about a great athlete. I was looking through some of her statistics uh, because, you know, it's important to go back and remember where our game came from and, and the ladies that played, you know, more than a half a century ago. And some of her numbers were staggering. So back in, uh, 1954, she hit 450. Uh, and then in 1955 as well, she hit uh, 455. So, I mean, you're talking numbers. And back then, let's face it, the ball wasn't as polycore as it is now. That's kind of an inside joke to uh, last week when we were talking about what the balls are made of. The balls were a little softer back then. So I can just imagine Dot hitting that ball and uh, needing to get all into it in order to make sure that ball got made it uh, to the outfield. But just an amazing, amazing athlete. Uh, as I mentioned, she went on to uh, to be a bowler after she retired over her 30 years from, from catching. In 1962, she was the Women's International Bowling Queens Tournament um, champion. Uh, you know, just, just an amazing woman all the way around. And, and I just, you know, I love to hear about women that competed pre-Title IX uh, and because of all the things they had to overcome, uh, you know, back in the day. So ladies, any anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah. And Michelle too, she was the first woman and woman admitted to the Arizona sports hall of fame. So, uh, what, thanks for filling us in on, on her, I mean, a bowler and softball player. You just don't hear about that very often. So, uh, really cool. Thanks, Michelle moving to uh, number nine. We're going to shag some stats to finish off the lineup card. Uh, I'll go first. And my shagging stat is about Grambling state. They have 100, 105 stolen bases in 27 games, and they've started out SWAC conference play with a perfect 6-0 record. Madison? Well, I think you guys know that I'm going to go with Tennessee for one of my shagging stats. And I know we've talked about the pitching staff and Kiki Malloy has been fantastic, but I also wanted to look at the rest of their lineup and somebody else who I think has stepped up for them this year has been Zeta Pooney. And she's somebody that is batting 417 with two strikes. Does that not just ruin a pitcher's day when somebody goes up there and gets a hit with two strikes? So I thought that was really impressive. Um, and speaking of pitchers, Danielle, what's your shagging stat? We're going to go a little RPI. Mine's a little lengthy, so bear with me. Um, teams with a big chance to move upwards in RPI are those with the toughest remaining strength of schedule. Um, and these teams are the ones with the toughest. Oregon State, they're sitting at RPI 94. Kansas, RPI 63. Arizona State, 53. Iowa State, 149. And Texas Tech at 66. So if these teams finish strong, look for them and how to move and start to edge up and climb that RPI in the next couple of weeks. I love that, Danielle, because that's really where the game within the game comes into play. You've got to really boost that RPI because if you do not win your conference, you've got to get in as an at-large team. So great, great stat there. And Amanda, it's a good thing I looked up too because I looked up Grambling as well. Now I'm going to contrast that. So I'm going to add on to your stat and then give you my own. So Grambling State has 105. In the SWAC, 
Texas Southern has three stolen bases. So big disparity in that conference. Um, my dragon stat is Kat Sandercock. I actually called our statistician extraordinaire, Karen Johns, to see if she could come away with a better stat than this one. This last week against Syracuse, Kat Sandercock threw a complete game. No big deal. Five innings pitched, a 10-0 run rule win. Nothing too exciting there. She only threw 37 pitches to do it. That was one I had not heard of. Karen Johns, we couldn't pull up the archives for Michelle Granger. She thought maybe Granger had pulled it off before, but back to the dittos online, there was no way to calculate it. So Michelle, we'll send it to you. Wow, JDH, that's a that's impressive. The, the stat uh, and the 37 pitches as well. And I love the fact that you were talking pitching. Um, <laughs> being one of the best hitters of all time. When she talks pitching, I listen. All right. Um, I just want to let you all know that I tweeted out my stat mid mid podcast so that none of you could steal it. Or if you tried, I could lay claim first. Okay. So, and you can go back and, and watch, check your Twitter. Cause I tagged you all on it. Um, so mine is Clemson softball team ERA of a 0.63 just a smidge behind Tennessee's 0.62. Um, but all four of their pitchers are under a one ERA as well. So congratulations to Clemson on a smoking hot uh, ERA. And that's my shagging stat. All right, ladies. Well, I think um, that rounds us up for the week. Uh, the lineup card, very full. Um, the, the, the game this weekend, I'm excited. Maddie, come on. It's going to be fun. Kayla, you guys whew, can't wait to watch it. Of course, you know, we have our games as well, but I'm definitely going to keep my big one eyeball on, on that Tennessee Alabama game. Um, well, thanks for joining us. Please follow us on at seven innings podcast uh, on uh, all of the social media and, you know, tweet at us, let us know what you're looking for. Cause we're back every week. We want to know what you guys uh, want to hear from us. Uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in on the road to the women's college world series. Thank you.